Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beerlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Peter's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. With that song, it's time for another awesome episode of Trek Talking. That means it's Thursday night. That means we're live. That means you can call 646-668-2433 and join us. So please, if you're listening live right now, do that and get on the air with us and share your thoughts. We have a great show planned for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about last week's episode. Remember, we're always a week behind of a Star Trek Discovery called Rubicon. And we have a lot of fun with that one, a lot to cover. So you want to stay tuned for that. But wait, there's more. Uh, Paramount Plus is going to be unveiled in the UK. LeVar Burton reads. Hmm, I wonder what that's about. Playmate launches a prodigy toy line. And we have a new Star Trek movie coming to theaters near you. But who's going to be in it and when can we see it? And Gene and Majel are together again. And we say goodbye to a Star Trek legend. All that plus Star Trek birthdays and convention calendar as well as fan shout outs. So you don't want to touch that dial. You want to run, get your chicken wings, get your egg rolls, get your pizza, sit down, relax, put your feet up and hang out with yours truly, Uncle Jim, and my awesome Trexpert. We'll start off with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing great. It's another beautiful day in Portland. We woke up with just a light dusting of snow on the ground, but uh, the rest of the day has pretty much been in the mid-40s and sunny, so quite nice, and uh, looking forward to the show tonight, guys. It's going to be fun as all. You know, I say this every week. I'm going to say it again. I always look forward to our Thursday night chats because that means – Tomorrow's Friday. It gets me gets me in the mood for the weekend, and that theme song it just puts me in the mood to talk about Star Trek. It's it's catchy. I like it's it. the springboard. <laughs> it's the whole springboard to the weekend, and it starts on Thursday night. I love it. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great. And we also have with us, as usual, Charles. And Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. Luckily, the main heart of the city missed the dusting of snow this week, but we got the cold, we got the wind that came through, it barely cracked 50 today, it was a chilly day, you might not like it when we might get one day next week that they're thinking we could hit 80. Wow. And then back to 70. I, uh, I've got my tauntauns. They're all fed and, and ready to go for the morning. <laughs> We're expecting a foot and a half of snow. I got my lightsaber out so that I can keep myself warm if I don't make it to work. 
And uh, yeah, that's life. Life in uh, New England. That's what happens. Jim, I, I hear they smell awful yeah. on the inside. Yeah, they smell worse on the inside than they do on the outside. I'll tell you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at any rate, so guys, I gotta say thank you again, you guys, because we might break a hundred thousand downloads. Uh, just, we're at ninety three thousand nine hundred and twenty eight as of right now. Uh, we could see a hundred thousand by the next podcast, definitely by the one after that. So, wow. Thank you so much. No matter where you are listening, we really, really appreciate that. It means a lot to us and our Facebook page is growing pretty well too. You guys can find us at truck talking and beyond spell that out. A and D beyond. We have 85,334 followers as of showtime on our Facebook page. And uh, you can head over to our Facebook page, and at the top of the page, you'll see the Live Long and Prosper. And uh, just stop in there and tell us where you're listening from. And every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, will pick 15 lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name, that means I have picked you, and you want to tune in because your name is going to be mentioned in a fan shout-out, which brings us right around to our fan shout-out portion of the show. And Eric. Who do you have on your list tonight? Well, our first fan shout-out this week goes out to Stefan Sarboot from Great Grinsby out there in the U.K., just across the pond. So, uh, Stefan, thank you so much for listening to us. It means a lot to us to have representation over in Great Britain there. So thank you very much. We're also saying hello this week and sending out a big thank you to Ansk Brikalmans from Tilburg in the Netherlands. One of those places that uh, seems to have a lot of support for track talking. So thank you to everyone in the Netherlands, and especially thank you to Hansk for listening to us. We're also saying hello this week to Jacob Kyler. Maybe it's Jakub. I'm not sure how it's pronounced there. Uh, but they're in the Czech Republic, and they send us a little Czech flag and a little live long and prosper icon. So thank you, Jakub, Jacob, for listening to us. We're also saying hello this week to Panima Safran's Parnas. In Israel, hello, all the way from Israel. Wow, way out there on the Mediterranean. That's one of those places I'd love to go sometime to. A lot, a lot of history there. So hello and a big kapla to Panina Safraz Parnas. And my final fan shout out this week, Jim's trying to trick me up and he's doing a good job. So pardon me if I massacre the next one, but Arcadius Belgier. I'm going to go Arkadeusz Belgier. If that is not your name, I apologize. But you are from Lodz, Poland, and I do not speak Polish. I really do appreciate you listening, as does Charles and Jim. So live long and prosper to you, Arkadeusz. Uh, well, Charles, actually, yeah. actually, I, I, I got to say that that's actually from Woods, Poland. Woods. Well, there you go. Yeah. I didn't even know Woods, that. I, I, I taught my buddy that I work with every day, Francis, is from the from the Philippines. And when I saw that name pop up, and I lo- I was looking at the way at the lettering, and I said to Francis, "What? His wife is from Poland." I said, "This is Polish. What does this say?" And he said that that L with the line through it is pronounced as a W in oh. English. Oh. And so it's okay. it's Woods, Poland, Woods. actually. Woods, Woods. Poland. Yep. Fascinating. I wouldn't have known that if, if Francis didn't tell me. So that's the only reason why I know that. Thank you, Francis. Good so. job. Yeah, that's that's super <laughs> great. Thank you, Jim, for sharing that. <laughs> yep. So anyways, we are we're 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 very educational on this podcast. <laughs> we try. We do our best. We are. <laughs> so 
So, Charles, what do you got for us? Let's start off with Della Francis Annie from Iowa. Adam Barnett from Michigan. Top fan Clint Jackson from Manchester, UK. Ooh, would love to visit the UK. Manchester might be an interesting city to visit. <laughs> Roberto Quittini from Italy. And Monica Manzano from Mexico City. Oh, that's a range traveling around the world. I wonder if Jim found another per- anybody else from New York. Yeah, I, I may have. I may have. So uh, the first person we want to say thank you to is Dina Manzan from Makati City in the Philippines, where my buddy Francis is from. In fact, his family still lives in the Philippines. So thank you for listening. We also want to say thank you and kapla to Richard Iman from Rochester, New York, second generation American. That's pretty cool. We also want to say thank you to Thomas Bolmer from Des Moines, Iowa. Sue Barron from Zimbabwe. Have we ever had somebody from Zimbabwe? I think that's a fresh one. Yeah, Zoo Baron, you are our first uh, that I can remember. Uh, yeah, in fact, I'm going to put you on the list here. First from Zimbabwe. Wow, that's so cool. You know, we should have a little map and put push I mean, pins on it. Totally. So, so I've actually just recently started kind of trying to keep track of places um, because we always come to this, right? We're always like, is that the first person from so-and-so? And it's, we're kind of relying on my memory right now. So <laughs> I'm trying to keep track of it a little better. Uh, yeah, I th- I really do. I think that's our first uh, person from Zimbabwe. That's so At least cool. I Thank don't recall too. ever. No, no, no. I mean, we have, we've had several people from like South Africa. We've had people from uh, two or three other nations, Morocco, like places like that. But, uh, but I do not remember Zimbabwe. So. Yeah, I don't either. So I think that's our first. So that's really, really oh, and, cool. And Jim, I'll just let you know, uh, just in respect to Thomas Bulmer, uh, when you say Des Moines, you do not pronounce the final S. So it's Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines, Iowa. And last, but definitely not least, we want to say hello and thank you to Susan Cavana from Scotland, and uh, which is where my roots are. And that wraps up our uh, fan shout-outs. Um, unfortunately, guys, this was the part of the show where we were going to talk about the, what was it, the Kanar, I think? Yes, Cardassian Kanar is next on the list. Right. So we're going to do that next week. So, um Craig Spurrier from StarTrekWines.com will be with us next week, and we'll do the the wines. We had a, a an issue, and we couldn't we couldn't get that done this week, so we're going to do that next week. Okay, so that's just going to leave a little bit of uh, extra time in our schedule for some more news stories, and so that we can talk a little bit more <clears throat> about Star Trek Discovery's episode Rubicon. So we still have a lot of show left. We got our Star Trek birthdays. We got our convention calendar. We have Star Trek news, and we have our personal review of Rubicon coming up. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 730 to 930, all hailing frequencies are open. 
iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we have a caller on the line, you guys. Let's, this number looks familiar, though. Let's, let's see who this is. If my switchboard will work. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hey, David, calling in from Portland. Hey, David, what's up, buddy? Uh, you know, this guy. Yeah, usually. I hope so. Although, is it really? Is it really? Yeah, gravity's working. (laughs) Welcome to the show, David. (laughs) All right, guys. So, this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays. And for that, we have to turn to our grouchy Klingon. That was not a Klingon song. No, it wasn't, but we like it anyways, Worf. You know what Worf needs? Some Klingon blood wine, Eric. I think he does, and I think if he got it young and sweet, he would probably be a happier man, but he might have to chase it down with a little bit of prune juice. You have to see. <laughs> that, that's a warrior's drink. <laughs> it is. It truly is. So we always start off our birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who sadly are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we would like to first remember actor Mark Lawrence, uh, who had a couple of different roles in Star Trek. Uh, He played Volnoff in TNG's episode of Vengeance Factor, uh, but I sort of remember him a little bit more uh, as Carl Zemo from DS9's Bada Bing Bada Boom uh, episode, the uh, the, uh, alien with kind of the, uh, like, what, what will I call it? Steampunk headset on, over his head. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm uh, talking about, go watch Bada Bing, uh, Bada Bang. Great episode of DS9. Lots and lots of fun. Uh, and interestingly, Mark Lawrence uh, appeared in over 200 films and television series uh, dating all the way back to 1932 because, of course, he was born in 1910. So uh, remembering Mark Lawrence, who would have had a birthday this week. We're also remembering John Bloom this week, uh, who played the behemoth alien Marsha in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Um, so John yeah, you, was you, Evan. Yeah, I've you heard, remember yeah, who that is. That's okay. that. He's the one where, where Marty had turned into a little girl, and yeah. well, they got on the elevator, and she wasn't there, and they were looking around, and she says, "Huh, they don't allow girls." That's just the character that's just referred to as the behemoth. And when when they go down into the mine, then she turns into a little girl and takes off the giant uh, handcuff and holds it up, and it's as big as her head. That's yep. the character that we're talking about. And this actor, John Bloom, was seven feet four inches tall. So uh, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he his career actually debuted way back in the 70s in Dracula versus Frankenstein so uh John Bloom would have had a birthday this week we're also celebrating uh the life of Fred Freiberger this week a TOS season 3 producer uh super famous 
was around a long time. Uh, he um, was part of the production staff. I mean, he, he was all over the place. Um, so Fred Freiberger would have had a birthday this week as well. So happy birthday to him. We're also saying happy birthday to Marge Doucet, who played the character of Kara in TOS's episode Spock's Brain. Uh, one, one of the gems. best episodes ever made, by the way. It's, that's uh, that's you know, quality right there. You they know don't what make I them like that anymore. Is real fans of TOS uh, don't mind that episode as much as the people who just sort of cursorily see it and they don't realize that that's not the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> Brain, brain, uh, what is brain? <laughs> <laughs> but there are a couple others that I would put below that one. So anyway, uh, in no way disrespectful to her, her uh, a fantastic actress, Marge Doucet, would have had a birthday this week. So happy birthday to her. We're also saying happy birthday to actress Patricia Smith, who played Dr. Sarah Kingsley in TNG's episode Unnatural Selection. She was the one who was... Uh, being afflicted by accelerated aging in that episode and had to uh, deal with that. That was our sort of plot point. So happy birthday to Patricia. Also saying happy birthday to Reese Vaughn, uh, Lieutenant Latimer. You remember him from TOS's The Galileo 7, uh, one of our yellow shirts. Uh, what a great episode. I love The Galileo 7. It's such a cool uh, episode. Um, yeah, he gets and, killed by this giant 10-foot spear. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right, yep. Uh, and he was actually, uh, one cool thing is that he actually made his television debut uh, back in uh, 1962 on Alfred Hitchcock Presents. So uh, I, I love that show. I've seen a couple of, uh, you know, episodes from back in the day. I love that one. So happy birthday to Reese Vaughn. Uh, also happy birthday and remembrance is going out to Celia Lovsky. Uh, one of our, one of my personal favorites, uh, because uh, she's so influential here. She played the Vulcan high priestess Tapau in the uh, TOS episode Amok Time. Uh, the one who is is there to preside over over important things <laughs> in that episode. And isn't is, isn't isn't that the same character that we saw on Enterprise as well? Yeah, so we get to see a younger version of her uh, in Enterprise, and uh, she's part of, what do you usually call them, uh, Jim? The stalagmites. The stalagmites. <laughs> yeah. She's, uh, she's connected to the Seer Knights, I always correct Jim, uh, who, are, of course, are the uh, radical Vulcans from the Enterprise era. Uh, and it was cool that when Enterprise came out, they actually called back to T'Pau and gave her a backstory, but... Uh, of course, first represented by uh, Celia Lovsky and perhaps most famously, uh, great, great costume, uh, you know, great ceremony. Um, so anyway, uh, happy birthday to Celia Lovsky. Uh, as if we couldn't uh, kick it up another notch, uh, perhaps the biggest uh, birthday from this week, at least in terms of influence over our Star Trek universe, uh, back in 2008, it's hard to believe it's been that long, uh, we lost Majel uh, Barrett Roddenberry. And, of course, she is all over Star Trek. Uh, started way back in the day on, uh, I guess, the first appearance would have been as number one in the cage, not shown until later. Uh, but she would also take on the role, of course, of Nurse Chapel uh, in the TOS years, uh, appearing in multiple, multiple episodes. 
the place that I first kind of really became aware of Major Roddenberry was absolutely uh, in TNG, playing Laxana Troy, uh, Deanna's mother. I mean, what a... I'm going to say tour de force. I'm going to use that term right now to describe her character from TNG and just the gravitas that she brought to that role. Uh, Really, really something else. Um, But wait, as Jim says, there's more. Did you also know that she played um, Mamras from TAS from the animated series? That's right. So she was all over four different series also uh, was married to uh excuse me yeah what do you got charles she was more than that ah, she was more than that oh yes of course she was also the too. voice of the computer oh yes in, Voyager. in tng in tng she was the voice of the enterprise d that's right i think she was in voyager i believe the she was all voyager the way through too. yeah she was like the standard yeah. uh federation computer voice yeah, good call. Good In call. fact, I think the story is that they actually had her speak phonetically all the way through the entire entire alphabet and such so that they could reuse her voice and maintain the computer. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. It is interesting how in Discovery we finally have, uh, you know, somebody else playing the voice of that computer. But you're right, uh, Charles. She was, for so long, it was her voice that uh, we really just were acquainted with. Uh, And then every once in a while when Laxana would show up and, you know, access the computer, what was that all about? (laughs) She's talking to herself, of course. (laughs) So Well, uh, of course, of course yours truly has a story to share about her, of course, of course. So, uh, wow, back in 1992, oh, my God, (laughs) way back then, uh, I had was doing my second Star Trek convention in Albany, New York, and uh, we were looking for people to invite to the convention. So we invited Carl Strykin, who plays Mr. Holm. But if you're going to have Mr. Holm there, who else obviously has to be there, too? Yeah, so we had Major Barrett there. And um, everybody was busy, so uh, my wife and I had to go and pick her up at the airport, which was fine, which was cool. So it's always cool when you get to drive in your car with a Star Trek actor because you're you're free to talk about whatever you want. It's just the, the coolest thing you could ever imagine. Anyways, she she shows up and she has this giant bag filled with scripts and I felt like Captain Picard I go to pick up her bag and I thought I thought I ripped something in my back I was like what the hell is in this thing it weighed like a thousand pounds well not a thousand pounds but it was heavy and I wasn't expecting it to weigh that much when I went to throw it in the in the back of my minivan and I, I immediately thought of Captain Picard when he tried to pick up her luggage on the Enterprise and it just mm-hmm. it just made me chuckle and uh, she she was um, was she was very warm and very affect. Uh, uh, she loved Star Trek and the fans, and she was just the I can't. She was it was like talking to your grandmother, mm. I guess. She mm-hmm. was um, very open, very friendly, uh, just very warm. I I can't say enough good things about her. 
And uh, when we got to the convention, now you got to bear in mind that Star Trek conventions were different back then than they are today. Um, back then, when you when you went into the convention, they had a Q and A, and they had an autograph line. They didn't have you didn't have to go up and pay separately for your autographs. You didn't have photo ops and stuff like you have today. Basically, uh, Majel sat at a table with with uh, Carl. And you waited online all the way back out in the parking lot and around the back door to get in. And you would go up and hand them the picture. They'd sign it, say thank you, and you'd move on. Well, Majel, Majel would talk to everybody and, uh, you know, just just pay attention to the fans, which was mm-hmm. pretty uncommon back in those days. And she, she, was, she was awesome. She was the first lady of Star Trek all the way. And it was such an honor and such a great experience to get to work with her like that uh, as a convention promoter. And uh, she even, she came up to the party. Um, We had a suite upstairs and all the people that work the convention don't get to see the convention. So she came upstairs to the suite to meet everybody who had put the convention together and worked on it, which was really great. And she paid me the ultimate compliment. She said to me, she said that this convention is very fan run. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, well, is that good or bad? You know? And she yeah. said, she said, no, the, <laughs> the energy that from everybody and the cooperation and just the fandom and the love that everybody, you know, was present there. Uh, she said it was very, very refreshing. So I was like, wow, coming from Majel who goes to these things all over the country. That's pretty high praise. So um, I, I miss her, and, I, and she was a great lady. And I'm going to step off my soapbox. <laughs> oh, no, Jim, that's a great story and just like a real wow. testament to the type of person that she was. So, uh, so wow, thank you for sharing that story with us. Um, you know, everybody knows so much about her. Uh, here's what I'll give you. Uh, I'll just give you a little tiny bit of trivia because you know I love to do that. She uh, was not born Major Barrett. Uh, so I'm going to let you go look that up on your own and uh, see what her uh, original name was, but a little bit of trivia there for you uh, with a mystery embedded within. So happy birthday, uh, Majel Barrett Roddenberry. Charles, kick us off with the people who are still with us that have birthdays this week. Well, let's start off with Andrea Drom, who played Yeoman Smith. In TOS's Where No Man Has Gone Before. Surprise I got a TOS kind of position still around. Yeah, I had to look oh, that one up. Oh. I had to verify that one because I wasn't really sure. But before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, I'm going to move that one down. <laughs> Richard Famer. Played Lee Malice in TNG's Homecoming, The Circle, and The Siege. Do you remember him? Yeah, so he's one of those love interest guys. And I just wanted to mention something about him because he has an amazing card in Star Trek Attack Wing, which we still get to talk about every once in a while. His card uh, lets you discard him instead of somebody else on your ship. So he's like the guy who takes the hit for the guy on your ship who is supposed to get discarded. One of my favorites, two points Bajoran uh, slash Federation, and that that was one of those. Um, that was one of the first. Actually, 
I think I'm going to say the only because nothing else comes to my mind. I think that's the only three-part Star Trek episode. If you don't count Unification Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3, which were 30 years apart, mm. I think that's the only three-parter yeah. that we've had. Well, I mean, you have uh, the Enterprise. You have, what is it, the Forge. Uh, and then there's two other episodes yeah. that kind of go together, I, which I cannot – I'm just not pulling out of my butt right now. But uh, there's That's those the stalagmites. The stalagmite episodes. Well, there's three of those. One of the only, for sure. Yep, there's, there's very few. Yep. Yep, mostly two-parters. Well, and Unification Part 3 doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nope. <laughs> Let's continue on with Tucker Smallwood, who played Admiral Bullock in Species, and Species 8472 in Roy's In the Flesh and Zindi Primate Counselor and Enterprise. Martha Hatkett played Seska in Void. Seska. She also played a very awesome Romulan character that I really liked, and they killed her off in 45 seconds, and that was Tarul. Yeah, and, Tarul uh, great. When she was put in charge of the cloaking device on the Defiant, that's right. And they qu- they quickly killed her. Um, and which is too bad because Romulan... that, they abandoned that whole like story. Like the whole reason the Defiant had the cloaking device was that there was a Romulan on there, and then they just like abandoned that as soon as she died. They just were like, ah, was, that, that, that plot point, we're going to just jettison that. Eh. I was so excited because <laughs> I we, know. We, we don't know anything about Romulans, really. And no. here's a Romulan character, and it's like, great, now we're going to get to see things from a Romulan perspective. The first battle, she's dead, gone, no more new Romulan over. The, I guess the Romulan said, oh, you can keep it. We don't care. And that was it. Right. They just dropped. Right. They just dropped yeah. the whole the whole plot line just right Not out there. Not to mention they killed Romulus with a supernova. Yeah, that's true. So I did like to rule though for the few minutes we saw her. She was actually a Romulan who was not a, a complete jerk. Right, and that's why they killed her. Yep. <laughs> They're like, we can't have Romulans like this on the show. You're dead. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> and so, then anyways. This one, and then this one, I had to move down my list a little bit. We got a TNG character, but I think he was a little more well-known for another role he played in a bar. Where everybody your name. So happy birthday to Captain Morgan Bateson. From TNG's cause and effect. Other than Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, it was cool then, to see. Gee, got I, done with a bar and then went off and did his own thing. <laughs> it was cool. I remember when he showed up on TNG, I was like, whoa, that's Kelsey Grammer. What's he doing here? <laughs> it just wasn't something we saw back then, right? Oh, you didn't see like what, famous what, actors oh, doing cameos. Yeah. Now, was more in his first officer? I, I wonder. <laughs> well, TNG, well, TNG, that was a must. That was something that people in Hollywood wanted to wanted to be a part of. Yeah, I remember when. Oh, you, uh, you can get you can get in there and be on a Star Trek episode. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. 
lot yeah, of when they landed Whoopi Goldberg. That was that was a big deal when they landed Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, oh, they yeah. Thought, need a lawsuit on that one, but they thought she wanted to be in a, a, a one or two episodes. No, 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 no. I don't want to be in a one or two episodes. I want to re- be a reoccurring character. Okay. And we'll put Whoopi as a reoccurring character. <laughs> but that's another story. And then the last one on my list, and I think this is my favorite birthday on on my list, is a big live long and prosper to Tawny Newsome, known as Beckett Mariner in LDS. Oh, Beckett is such a fun character. Don't give me that sarcastic yeah. Vulcan salute. Yeah, I put that exactly. on our Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter does that to me all the time. She walks out of the room backwards giving me the sarcastic Vulcan salute. I should have never shown her that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But what and a I, fun character they did with that one. They, p- they picked the right person for that one. They did, and uh, she also is one of the co-hosts of the official Star Trek podcast, which is, uh, I believe, on hiatus right now. Or maybe they're back now. I can't remember. But if you haven't listened to her in podcast land, you should definitely check that out, too, because she is a hoot. Uh, And because they give her the official reins, it's kind of like it's cool to hear her natural smarm uh, be the official podcast, if you know what I mean. Like, they don't pull any punches, which is kind of fun. But not as cool, but but, but not as cool as as us though. I mean, really. No, no, no. I'm saying I, I mean, after not. <laughs> you have listened to every single episode well, of Trek Talking, then go listen to the Star Trek official podcast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Jim, have you got on your birthday list? Oh, I've got some. I've got some pretty good ones here. Yeah. I'm going to start off with saying happy birthday to Carol Davis, who plays. Oh my God, who plays. Gisapenia Pentagali in Voice of Swarm. Pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty I, good. I Jim. think. I, I'm yeah, going to let that one slide. That was pretty good. Yeah. You know, I don't <laughs> remember seeing that particular episode. So that must have been one of the episodes that was on UPN when I didn't have UPN here. So um, yeah. I'll have to go and look that one up. Yeah, that's like a, a season three, episode one, uh, or excuse me, season three episode. It is, um, it's, it's okay. It's not like one of those ones that you're like, oh, I gotta see this one. But I remember Leslie Leslie Hoffman talking about that episode and how they designed yeah. the swarm. So well, well and it. it's cool. And then the nice thing is, like, it it sort of opens with the Doctor, who's one of my favorite characters from Voyager, and his like love of opera. So I I thought that's kind of cool. I love the Doctor. Yeah. And we also want to say happy birthday to Paul Dooley, who played an Auburn Tane DS9's The Wire. Improbable Cause, The Die is Cast, and Purgatory's Shadow. I think, I get the impression, I don't know if it was ever actually said on air, but was he Garrick's father? I think he was. I got the feeling that he was. Oh, that's funny. I never, I didn't make that connection necessarily, no. Uh, Now I kind of want to go back. I mean, I just I just assumed his connection to 
to Garrick was like through Garrick's like unknown connections to the Obsidian Order, obviously, you know, so I maybe he was his father. I'm not sure. I, I got the oh, wait, feeling he was. that he. I just looked it up. He's the father I of thought, Garrick. You're right. Yeah, I yeah. thought that he was. I got the, the way it was played in the episodes, I got the feeling that he was. Yeah, but how about that? I don't know and if it he, was official. He, well, it is official. He was the father of the Elam Garrick. And he also, thank you, the Cardassian faction pack has an amazing card in Attack Wing as well, which lets you do a free attack on your enemy. Take that, enemy. Yeah, in your face. Don't give me that fucking <laughs> salute. I'm going to inaugurate you, buddy. <laughs> and <laughs> we have a, a newcomer to our birthday list, but one that I have a feeling we're going to be doing over and over and over again. Uh-huh. And, uh, we're going to say happy birthday to Celia Rose Gooding. And you're saying, who's that? Well, there's this really awesome show coming out with the coolest captain ever. Of course, <laughs> Anson Mount, Captain Pike. And it's called Strange New Worlds. And Celia plays Cadet Nyota Uhura on Strange New Worlds. So hailing frequencies are open and happy birthday. That's a good one. And I'm really excited yeah. to see Strange New Worlds. Uh, we also want to say happy birthday to Gary Lockwood, who played Gary Mitchell in TOS's Where No Man Has Gone Before. But but if you're a huge sci-fi geek and you're old yes. like me, then... <laughs> or or then, like me and appreciative of old things. <laughs> you You might recognize him. From another role in the oh. ultimate sci-fi movie, the, the I think the, the sci-fi movie, yeah, the one that started it all. And I'm of course uh, I'm talking about 2001: A Space Odyssey, and he played Frank Poole in A Space Odyssey. And uh, yeah, I, I you know what I'm going to tell you something right now. My, my wife and daughter will not watch it because they think it's too boring. But I'll tell you what, here's the thing with the, with the Space Odyssey. This was the first big budget space movie, so they didn't really know how to do it or what to do with it. So they went with the all realistic sciency thing. So I think if somebody were to go back and take 2001 A Space Odyssey and all they would have to do to spruce it up is put in some rocket sounds. Put in some sound effect. When pulls outside the ship, instead of Darth Vader breathing, let's hear some beeping on the consoles or, or put in some sound effects, some rockets, some spruce it up. And I think people would love that movie. I mean, I love so it already. Jim, so, Jim, I'm not going to contradict what you just said at all because I do think that would make people love it more. I will tell you that it is the hard sci-fi aspect of that movie that I love the most. And I love the fact that everything's super quiet. I love that the movie moves really slowly. I love that it used cool technology like rotating cameras and stuff to like simulate uh, what it would be like actually to be in space. Because when you read books by Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke and guys like that from that kind of classic science fiction era, that's the perspective from which they come, right? It's all very, very super sciency. And to me, that translation in that film is is flawless. Stanley Kubrick just did like an amazing job with that movie. It's literally my favorite science fiction movie of all time. 
Um, I love it. And it, yeah, I love it so much. And I just can't, like, when I talk to people about it, they're like, yeah, but it's so long, it's so slow. And I'm like, yes. And that is what makes it a piece of art and not just the, like, shoot em up uh, thing. And I will tell you that Gary Lockwood, absolutely great, right? He wasn't Dave, but he was Frank. He was the other guy. <laughs> absolutely instrumental in that movie to uh, making that whole thing work. So, yeah. And he does show up in 2010 as a ghost. He does. Yep. So he's a, and in but a, I, and, I, you, and did they ever I, make a 2061 movie? I can't remember. No, they they okay. didn't. Okay. But I, I every time I watch 2001, I think when the, when the rocket is flying over the moon <laughs> and it and it's nothing but silence, I'm thinking, Just well, silence. what we need is some we need some Jerry Goldsmith music <laughs> to come in here. We need we I, you know as much as I love the movie, I keep thinking if they were to make 2001: A Space Odyssey today, um, and they would you, you wouldn't have to change any of the cinematography. All you'd have to do is throw in some sound effects here and there. And boom, you have a movie that, that my daughter would watch. But mm-hmm. And I've read the book a dozen times trying mm-hmm. to figure out the ending, and I still don't know it. <laughs> well, but, it reads it, – to me, it reads better than it translates on the screen. Like when I read the book, I get a better idea of what's going on, but it all is still very, very weird. I love it. It's a classic. If you haven't seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, go and watch it. Oh. You Go see it. Sorry. Just, wow. Sorry we're talking about it for so long, but you just don't know what you're missing. <laughs> my my grandmother went to see that in Brooklyn. She went to Times Square with my grandfather in 1968 when that movie came out to see wow. it on the big screen. My grandmother. Can you imagine like how your mind would have been blown in 1968 seeing this on the big screen? I mean, like. Nothing, there was literally nothing like it ever before this. No. And and even if you watch it today, it's still good. It's it's incredible how well it stands up to time. You want a really good uh but slow burn double feature? This and Star Trek the Motion Picture. Well, well Robert Weiss uh tried to model the motion picture after yep. 2001. That was what they were the, the the feel they were after. Yep. Um, so he said, but anyways, um, let's, let's get back to our birthdays because we have a lot to talk about, or we could talk <laughs> about 2001 for their, that's another podcast for another day. <laughs> so uh, the next birthday is a big one. And uh, we want to say happy birthday and resistance is futile to Jerry Ryan herself, seven of nine from boy in Picard. And I am looking forward to seeing what happens in Picard season two on Thursday night. Dun 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 dun. Actually, no, we're going to see it on Wednesday night. But um, yep. I'm just so excited. And happy birthday to Jerry Ryan. And I always save the Klingons for last because I'm a Klingon fan. However, this was a this is a tough one because mm-hmm. as much as I like the Klingon character that he played. I think there's another character he plays that's that's even better, and I know that's sacrilege, but um, we want to say happy birthday to James Sloan. And let me get right out of the way that he played the Klingon Kimtar, who was the adult Alexander in TNG's episode Firstborn, which is kind of a weird time travel deal where he grows up, comes back in time, and tries to stop something from happening that kills his father. 
and make Alexander grow up and become a warrior. It was kind of like the animated series yesteryear episode um, type of a deal. Um, uh, he also played uh, Dr. Dr. Jetrell in Voice Jetrell. He played Dr. Maura Paul in DS9's The Alternate and The Begotten. He's the one that studied Odo, um, basically. But, 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 <laughs> of all those great characters, I think the one he played the best and the role that was the best was in a TNG episode called The Defector. And he yeah. played Admiral Jarek. And that was a phenomenal character. And, you know, he, he, he became a traitor. He became a defector to save his family and to save his children. And it was all a setup. None of it was real. Yep. Yeah, it, it was just heartbreaking. I mean, just like heartbreaking when you get to the end of that episode, you're like, oh, oh, you guys, it, it dude, was... you just spent all this time and effort, and it just and and he had and he's another one of those like Romulans with a good heart, but um, you know, I like it because when they bring him on board, he's still very Romulan. You know, he doesn't, he's not like insolent. He's like, listen, I I need some help, but I'm I'm still a Romulan. I still yeah. own that Romulan Empire, you know. He blows up his ship, and he won't tell. He won't give any secrets away. And Picard has to say, has to put him in his place and say, "Look, dude, you know, you're a defector. You are a traitor, like it or not, and you will talk." And yeah. Picard kind of slaps him down and faces him, and yeah. he Take still me. won't break. He's like, "I'm still yeah, a Romulan." And think that makes me think that the Romulans probably was one of the reasons they never had a truly big backstory for any purpose of like making them secretive and it just makes the audience feel like okay so you know it just makes you uh, stick to that um tv show when it comes to uh the romulans just not knowing anything about them. And so I'm kind of glad they didn't actually make any kind of backstory for that race in particular, because it just makes you drawn to it more. Yeah. He was a great character and um, I, I thought he played a great role. So yeah, that's happy birthday to Jane Sloan. Also, and, also Jim yeah. of all these people also has a great uh, ship and attack wing card. <laughs> so we're just hitting them okay. all these days. We got a we, we got a good birthday uh, racket going on here, believe it or not. Well, guys, we still have a lot to talk about. We still have a, a very busy show. We still have convention calendar, Star Trek news, and our review of Star Trek Discovery Rubicon. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after we hear from GM Chris. This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trek experts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi-related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433 on Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on East Coast Time. Hailing frequencies are always open, and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith. You will call. And it's time for convention, 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 calendar, 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 calendar. And Eric, you're going to start off our convention calendar uh, this week. 
Uh, we have got some good ones, Jim. And please remember that uh, you should always check with the venue for any restrictions or rescheduling because uh, this is the information we have, but something might have changed. So uh, we are, first of all, tracking the Oz Comic Con in Perth, March 5th through 6th, 2022 at the Perth Convention and Exhibition Center in, uh, of course, Perth, Western Australia. So uh, go down under and uh, attend Oz Comic Con. We're also checking out the Buckeye Comic-Con, March 6th, at the Courtyard by Marriott Columbus uh, in West Hilliard, Columbus, Ohio. And also we're checking out the Northeast Comic-Con and Collectibles Extravaganza, March 11th through the 13th at Boxborough Regency Hotel and Conference Center in Boxborough, Massachusetts. Jim, what you got on your list? I might, we might. Go to that one. It's close we'll enough to, to you that you should check it out. Absolutely. If, if, if we don't have nine feet of snow and my tauntauns can get there, um, we, I, I might go to that one. I'll let you guys know. So on my, my convention calendar, we have Dublin Comic Con, the spring edition, March uh, 12th and 13th at the convention center in Dublin and Dublin, Ireland. We have Fantasticon in Toledo. Uh, March 12th and 13th in Seagate Convention Center in Toledo, Ohio. And last but not least on my list, we have QuadCon Peoria, March 12th and 13th at the Northwoods Mall in Peoria, Illinois. And Charles, you're bringing up our caboose with our convention calendar. Well, we're going to start off with WinterCon, March 12th and 13th. At the Hyatt Regency JFK Airport at Resorts World, New York, Jamaica, New York. Didn't realize there was a Jamaica, New York. London Comic Comic Mart, March 13th, 2022. Royal National Hotel, London, UK. And finish off with the Stars of Time Film and Comic Con. March 13th at the Tropicana, West Supermare, UK. And that wraps up up our convention calendar. Please, as Eric said, check with the venues to make sure the events are still being held. For any information on these events as to price or who's going to be there, just do a quick search for the name of the event or contact the venue for more information. And now it's time for Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. So our first story, Star Trek 2023 movie to reunite the Kelvin crew. Production set to start by the end of the year. Star Trek fan feature film, Star Trek feature film set to be released in the holiday season of 2023 took a huge step forward. During an Investor Day event for Viacom's CBS, now being renamed Paramount, Producer J.J. Abrams announced plans to start production on the next Star Trek feature film by the end of the year, saying, quote, we are thrilled to say that we are hard at work on a new Star Trek film that we'll be shooting by the end of the year. 
featuring our original cast and some new characters that I think are going to be really fun and exciting and help take Star Trek into areas that you've just never seen before, end quote. The planned film will bring back the crew of the previous three Star Trek movies with talks underway with Chris Pine to reprise his role as James T. Kirk, Zachary Quinto as Spock, Zoe Zaldana as Lieutenant Uhura, Carl Urban as Dr. McCoy, John Cho as Sulu, and Simon Pegg as Scotty. There have been many stops and starts with Star Trek feature films at Paramount with a number of different projects in development since 2016's Star Trek Beyond. However, this is the first time Paramount has put a Star Trek film on their release calendar since Star Trek Beyond. And bringing Abrams into the Investor Day event also indicated this project has momentum. So far, there are no details available regarding the plot line beyond the inclusion of the Kelvin cast. Simon Pegg talked about how the cast has been eager to reunite again, quote, saying, we would all love to get back to it again, albeit with some sadness because of using, losing Anton Yelchin. I always wish I could give you something more definite, but we just don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So what do you guys think? Well, this one seems well, uh, go ahead, David. Oh, Why don't you take go it? Go ahead, David. I was just going to say, I'm wondering if one of the new characters might be a hoarder security guard. <laughs> That'd be interesting. <laughs> I, yeah. I I think, uh, well, it's okay. So when the Kelvin timeline was created, Paramount and, uh, and uh, CBS had been broken apart and were two separate entities. So in order for them to do Star Trek, it had to be done different. And Discovery was coming on CBS All Access at the same time. So they created the Kelvin timeline so that they would be not part of the prime timeline. They did that on purpose. Well, now that Paramount is back together as one company now, and uh, don't get me wrong, I love the Kelvin movies. The the Kelvin movies are kind of like an alternate universe, like the mirror universe type stuff. So I don't mind it, and I think the casting is outstanding. I love Carl Urban as McCoy. I, I think they were an outstanding choice. Anyways, now that they're all one again, I think it would be great. And we have heard them mention the Kelvin universe on Discovery. So they're acknowledging that it's there and that they know that it's there. So when, when J.J. says some interesting new characters, I'm hoping – that we get to see what would be really cool is if we saw Mariner <laughs> on in the movie, or, you know, mm-hmm. if they, we've seen, we've seen live action people go to the animation, like Tom Paris, for instance, Janeway. But I think it would be so great if they went the other way, if they took somebody from the animated series and put them in the live action show. I don't know if they're going to or not, but, um, I would like to see them bring the Kelvin timeline into into Star Trek and make it officially part of the family. What do you guys think? What yeah, do you think, for Eric? Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I specifically have been talking for years on this podcast about how I would love to have a Kelvin timeline movie that brings everybody kind of back into uh, the fold. And I think we're going to get it. Uh, I definitely think that we got acknowledgement 
in Discovery, as you were saying, Jim, uh, of its existence <laughs> in the same uh, uni- not universe. Well, it is the same universe. It's a different time. I don't know, depending on how you look at it. But point is, on television, they acknowledged this alternate timeline of movies, uh, which does kind of automatically start to bring it into the fold. I was pretty skeptical when I first read about this. Uh, particularly because they hadn't secured the actors yet. You know, they talk about being in talks with the actors. And you'll remember the last time we had this conversation, they were in talks with Chris Pine and Chris Helmsworth, I believe, as well, or some kind of crazy thing from what I remember. And uh, that, of course, fizzled just the same way that the Quentin Tarantino version of the movie fizzled. Uh, but this one does seem to have a little bit more momentum. I mean, you've got J.J. Uh, Abrams specifically talking about it um you know it says uh, there was an official press release an official event that happened so i don't know maybe this time it's for real if they can figure out the actor situation i just hope the movie really focuses on what i think it will which is kind of mending this uh this rift i guess in star trek between these two different timelines um uh, which I think is, of course, just beautiful allegory for what's going on with Paramount right now, and I think they might go there. And you, you know what's really cool about it? If they can, if they can build a bridge and properly traverse it, that would open up the opportunity to see James T. Kirk <laughs> on Strange New Worlds oh, yeah. as a lieutenant, played by Chris Pine. Oh, that would be super cool. Okay, it's just they wouldn't even have to recast the character. They already have their Captain Kirk. He's already there. If they could figure out a way to bridge that gap, they could do that, and it, and that would be great. What do you so think, Charles? If that was a thing, or, um, I was just wondering if that was a thing, and they brought Chris Pine into the uh, into the um, uh, new Strange New Worlds. Wouldn't that also just mean that Strange New World would be in the Kelvin universe? No, no, not if they not if they could bridge that gap and bring bring it in a full circle. Oh, kind of like combining the show together, you mean? Exactly. Yeah, if they right. Uh, That's what right. they need to do. They need to go back and they need to like they need to figure out how to like bring it all back together, which is just. Like, once they do that, guys, then you will no longer have – well, maybe you will still. I was going to – I was getting all utopian. I was going to say you'll no longer have these new Trek people and these old Trek people, but that's probably not true. Probably still have that. No, you'll always have that. <laughs> but, but it does – but doesn't it feel like if they brought it back together that that would – like, there would no longer be this offshoot of Star Trek? It would now just all be Star Trek again. I mean, I know that people on this podcast think about it that way anyway, but I think there are plenty in the community that do not. Yes, there are. There's a lot to do. There are a lot. Well, except the only thing that worries me on this is do we still have the momentum? Yeah. They keep pushing this and it's like, okay, we got to keep that momentum rolling. How many of us who kept up with the Kelvin timeline still Trek fans of that timeline. Well, and that's why Jim's idea is brilliant, because if you bring people from the current shows into that, 
then that's your connection, Charles. Absolutely. That's your momentum. Right. So speaking of bringing of momentum, Charles, what's our next story? I'm not sure about momentum, but I thought this was an interesting. Well, it's got momentum to get into. It's got it's got <laughs> orbital momentum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get more momentum into real science. The ashes of Star Trek founder's wife gets blasted in his face on a mission to advance science. Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry died in 1991. Then six years later, some of his ashes were launched into deep space by the outer uh, space spatial funerary uh, company called Celestis, in, wh- in what most people found a fitting end for a science fiction type. Now his wife, Major Barrett Roddenberry, who passed away in 2008, will join her husband's ashes floating around in space when hers are launched aboard a Vulcan rocket. Celeste's Enterprise mission reflects most of what's great about the modern space industry and science fiction fans, as well as being sent up to space with the ashes of Star Trek actors, actor James Scotty Doohan, and those of the other diehard Trekkies. The mission will also be sporting a state-of-the-art moon lander design by Astrobiotics for payload mission to the moon. We're very pleased to be fulfilling with this mission, and I promise I made Major, Ro- Major Roddenberry in 1997, that one day we would fly her and her husband, Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, together in a deep space memorial space flight, said Celestial co-founder and CEO Charles M. Schaefer. The mission is named Enterprise in tribute to them. That's an awesome story. It's a pretty awesome story. One thing I was unclear on, is this, they're in orbit, right? Around the planet? So it's... Yes. So technically it's not a deep space mission because it's uh, orbiting the planet. Deep space is once you get like out of the solar system, I believe. But what a beautiful way to like symbolically kind of join those two, uh, you know, all these years later as well as Scotty up there making sure the engines are running properly. So cool. Yeah, that's that's an awesome story. And uh, speaking of awesomeness, Eric, you've got a, a, our next story. Yeah, this is a good one. Star Trek community remembers the visual effects pioneer Douglas Trumbull. Uh, Picard will actually name a ship in his honor. A legendary visual effects pioneer, Douglas Trumbull, passed away at the age of 79. The Academy Award winner died from complications from mesolothemia, according to a post from his daughter on Facebook. Among his lifetime of achievements was his Oscar-nominated contribution to the first Star Trek feature film. His passing has generated an outpouring of memories from the film and science fiction community, as well as prominent science fiction or Star Trek personalities. In addition to Star Trek The Motion Picture, 
Trumbull worked on groundbreaking films like 2001 A Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Just some, you know, little science fiction movies there. I don't think I've heard of half of those movies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, it's amazing. Throughout his career, directors like Stanley Kubrick, Ridley Scott, and Steven Spielberg looked to Trumbull to help realize their visions. He was also a director in his own right, with credits that include the 1970s science fiction classic Silent Running, also another great movie. Uh, Director Robert Wise, who had worked with Trumbull on the Andromeda Strain, brought him in to take over the visual effects for Star Trek The Motion Picture. The previous effects team was unable to complete work in a timely manner, requiring Trumbull to enlist fellow visual effects pioneer John Dykstra from Star Wars to help complete the visual effects in time to meet an unmovable release date. Their efforts earned them an Academy Award nomination. Star Trek Picard will be honoring him with a starship named the USS Trumbull, NCC-72. Three seven zero. Michael Lukuda was quoted as saying, uh, I'm shattered to learn that visual effects legend Don Trumbull has passed away. Trumbull worked on 2001, Close Encounters, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Blade Runner, and more. He directed Silent Running and Brainstorm. He was an artist and an innovator and a personal hero. And David Bloss said, such devastating news to hear of the passing of John Douglas Trumbull a visionary vanguard who reshaped the look of science fiction and cinema as a whole. 2001, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Close Encounters, Blade Runner, a true genius. And uh, that is true. But you guys think about those movies and just the sheer, like, simplicity, but, like, complexity of the visual effects. We talk a lot about things like, uh, you know, the V'ger scene in the motion picture. Uh, we were talking about the the, you know, walking from one section of the ship to the other in 2001 and walking around in circles because gravity is all weird when you're on a rotational axis. So uh, just amazing, amazing stuff. And uh, certainly somebody who, who will be missed um, in the, in the industry Um, just died a couple weeks ago, I believe. So anything, uh, anything else anybody would like to say about Douglas trouble or no, I mean, yeah. No, I mean he's, the movies that he's yeah. that are mentioned are like are legendary. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you've got to have seen those movies. Yeah, um, yeah, I, was I really. I mean, they're like <laughs> not those are legend. like babies <laughs> cutting their teeth on those movies. They're well, all classics. <laughs> yeah, so, and it's good and to we, go back to some of these other ones. You know, everybody thinks about like Close Encounters and Star Trek: The Motion Picture, Blade Runner, that kind of stuff. But like going back to Silent Running and Brainstorm, those are great ones too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Charles, what do you got for us next on our Star Trek news? Well, this is one that I'm sure we've had some demand from some of our fans. Especially a couple of them we mentioned in our shout-outs. Paramount Plus launching in the UK. There was a time when no one knew where to watch Star Trek Discovery Season 4 in the UK. The series had been removed from Netflix only to appear after severe, severe fan demand on a little-known streaming service, Pluto TV. Now the sci-fi series looks to set to move home again as Paramount Plus launches in the UK. There's no word on Paramount Plus's 
UK release date on a summer release window. The service was initially rumored to launch with Star Trek Discovery Season 4 as a UK exclusive, hence why the show only initially was not available in the UK. Only after online outrage did the show finally find a UK home on Pluto. Expect new seasons of the series to be available only on Paramount Plus going forward. <clears throat> the UK launch also gives a landing spot for the new Halo TV show, which does not have a UK release date. Hopefully, this all means that rather than waiting to find out where Star Trek Strange New World ends up in the UK, we now know the series will be on Paramount Plus. Actually saying that, there's still the question of whether Star Trek 2 will continue to be on Amazon Prime or move to Paramount Plus. We can deal with that when the streamer launches this summer. Well, that's some good news for our UK listeners, for sure. Yes, it is. Yeah, there was practically anarchy in the UK when they realized that they were not going to have Paramount Plus for this season. Uh, there was a lot of chatter on our Facebook page, and we are so happy that our listeners are finally getting their uh, their just comeuppance here. The the emails that I would get and the messages because people think that that we're con- we're connected with it and we we're involved and and whatnot and. And I was like, I always felt so bad telling people that we, if it was up to me, I would beam Star Trek to everyone that wants to watch it, period, anytime, you know, but I don't make those decisions. And I think it's great yeah. that, that UK is going to get Paramount Plus because the way it's moving, Paramount Plus is going to be the home of Star Trek, period. Um, we, we are not going to have it on Netflix. It's not going to be on Hulu. It's, it's if, if you want to watch Star Trek, you have to have Paramount Plus. And, to, to be quite honest, I think that's the way it should be. You know, Star Trek should have a home. And I'm glad that it's finally yeah. going to get a home. Um, as soon as they get, uh, what is it, Star Trek Beyond, I think, onto Paramount Plus, then all the movies will be there, um, which took a little while. But I just think that if, if Paramount wants to be the home of Star Trek, they have to be the home of Star Trek. And that's what they're moving towards. So, yep. yeah, that's good news. So, um, Star Trek Prodigy action figures revealed of the Janeway hologram and the proto-star crew. Star Trek Prodigy is the perfect look into the world of Star Trek from a younger perspective and an animated show that gives kids their own favorite characters to look up to and still have some classic characters we've come to love, like Kate Mulgrew's Captain Janeway. And now you can own your own figure from the series. Take home a doll of a doll. What is wrong with me? I can't talk. Take <laughs> home a, a doll. Ariel? Ar- uh, I think it's Rael. Why am it. I? It's why a, can't I read this? What's wrong with my eyes here? <laughs> Are they crossing? Are they crossing? Yeah, a little, yeah. <laughs> yeah what is wrong with me? <laughs> doll? You just <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm like, wow. what? What is this? Yeah, what's this Riel thing? I don't know who who that is. is that a new character that I missed. No, he's got a last name. He's got a last name. Yeah, he does really. He does. Yeah, wow, believe it or not, I did not know that. I I knew he was Dahl. Uh, yeah. A figure with Murph, or get your own hologram version of Janeway. Playmates Toys and Paramount Consumer Products released the image that shows some of our favorites from the series. 
all standing together. And yes, again, we're getting a Murph figure who is voiced by iconic voice actor D. Bradley Baker on the show. Apart from Dahl, Rel, Murph, and Janeway, they're also releasing figures of Gwen, Jacob Pog, Zero, and Rock Talk figure early in 2023. The figures are five inches and have a one to one fourteenth figure with 14 points of articulation. That's a lot of articulation. They come in a brand new blister pack style. It was designed exclusively for the new Star Trek Prodigy toy line. The toys will be available to online retailers starting in October of 2022 with widespread release on store shelves in the spring of 2023. Later in 2023, you can also expect to see ships, vehicles, and role play toys released for the series. Quote, we are excited to bring Star Trek Prodigy toys and accessories home to families for the first time. The new lineup we are unveiling is highly focused on playability. We want kids to take the toys out of the packaging and engage in imaginative play as if they were part of the Star Trek world themselves, said Carl Aronone, a senior vice president of Playmates Toys. Take them out of the package? Are you kidding me? Well, of course, Jim. Well, you got to yeah. play with them. You buy two sets. <laughs> yeah, you buy one set for the collection and one set to play with. Yes. I, yes, I yes, admit, too. You don't think I, I want a rock talk on my desk? I know, seriously. <laughs> and I admit, I'm the guy who opens all my toys. I don't keep anything in the package. I open them all. I play with them all. Curiously, they did not show us a Janeway figure. They called it out, but they did not show us what it looks like, and they did not show us what the Rock Talk figure looks like yet. But the no, other one, uh, the little preview image, they looked pretty cool. Uh, I mean, they're probably like computer-generated simulations or something, but I'm sure they're working on the molds right now, and they look really cool. And I wonder I if have that one question work. with the Janeway toy. Is she an actual hologram? <laughs> well, I think it, it actually, David, I think we should technically get two Janeways because yeah. you have you have hologram Janeway but now oh. we actually have Admiral Janeway there's two Janeways produce, on the show if they produce an Admiral Janeway well, I will literally go to the store and buy all of them I mean, so, <laughs> I've been waiting for that figure since the 2000s the early 2000s but technically they well, should no, no. I, want, I want three Janeways Admiral Janeway, I want the early Janeway, and I want the new crew Janeway. So one of the things that Paul and I talked about during our wine spot, uh, if you listen to our Sunday, uh, the last couple Sunday podcasts, you get a full uh, hour and a half to two hours with Paul and I just talking about whatever's going on. And, um, and we were talking about Playmates figures, and Playmates, if you're listening to this podcast, please please take note. We would we love that you're producing Prodigy stuff. This is amazing. I hope you sell a million bucks or more of it. I'm going to buy some myself as soon as it comes out. But we want Discovery stuff too, man. Come on. I want long-haired Burnham. I want like Saru in a nice seven-inch action figure. So give us some of that good stuff too. I swear to God, we'll buy uh, it. If you make it, we'll buy it. Did, we're only. We're all. Discovery they are. They are, but there's yeah, a couple of them. We're only getting, we're only getting, we're getting a Saru and yep. a Burnham. We're but getting a Spock, Burnham, Kirk, a and Khan from yep. the Wrath of Khan, and that's it. That's all they've announced so far. And what I'm there's saying no is, there's no Tilly. 
Yeah, the new iconic Burnham is long-haired Burnham, and that is the one that they should they should be, in my mind's eye, they should be putting these figures out coincident with the seasons. Like, I should be able to watch this show and go to Walmart and pick up a figure. Like, that's the way you know, it should be done. Speaking of Burnham, I got to say, I got called out on this before, but I'm, I, I just love Burnham with the hair the way she wears it now. I think oh, that's yeah. just absolutely yeah. just I like that so much better than the the cropped Vulcan hairdo that she had before. Well, uh, shows just, character. I, I love how they like took that whole idea of her hair and they made it part of her character development. That's like a, I love that's it. That's a big deal. It's a big deal, and I love it. I too. like it. I really yeah. like it. And Eric, you get to bring up. You're the caboose on this one. You got the final story of the night. Well, I get to talk about one of my other favorite podcasts other than Trek Talking here, and this one is uh, run by our favorite engineer, LeVar Burton, and kids to read banned books. That's where the good stuff is, he says. Literacy advocate, Star Trek star, and game show host LeVar Burton wants people, particularly children, to read banned books. The former Reading Rainbow host appeared during a segment about banned books on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah in the piece, Burton attempts to read some seemingly innocuous books only to get cut off because of a book banning for one contrived reason or another. Eventually, Burton runs away after hearing sirens nearby, but not before encouraging folks to read banned books, quote, because that's where the good stuff is. The topic of banned books reached new heights when a Tennessee school district banned Art Spiegelman's graphic novel, Mouse, which chronicles the cartoonist's father's experiences in concentration camps during the Holocaust. Many have rallied against this movement, including author and CBLDF supporter Neil Gaiman, who wrote, only one kind of people who would vote to ban Mouse, whether they are calling themselves, whatever they are calling themselves these days. Burton has long championed reading, first children on Reading Rainbow, and most recently for adults via his podcast, LeVar Burton Reads. Quote, if I had a mission statement for LeVar Burton Reads, it would be to remind the Reading Rainbow generation how important reading is in their lives and in their imaginations. I guess more than anything else, that's the message I want. I want people to engage with their imaginations with these stories because, especially as adults now, you guys are adulting. I don't want you to stop using your imaginations because you're going to need, to, you're going to need them going forward. Because there's a whole lot of shit we're leaving for you to clean up. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. But I'm trying to encourage some of the skills and talent you're going to need going forward. For me, books are more than words strung together. They are portals into existences of every variety, stripe, and hue. The universe and all that there is captured in the pages of good books. Ah, that guy knows how to string a couple of words together. And oh, it's, yes, he does. <laughs> it's been really cool, at least uh, personally uh, at the house here. Uh, you know, I've got an almost teenage daughter who has been hearing about all this band book stuff. And she's like, Dad, we should read a band book. And I was like, I got one for you. And I went downstairs and I pulled out my copy of Fahrenheit 451. So we are reading her very first, like, adult uh, science fiction novel right now. And uh, she says, Dad, that's dark. And I say, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> we're enjoying it quite a bit. <laughs> Very dark. And listen, guys, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery Rubicon, and we're going to hear what our Facebook fans had to say about the episode. 
before we dive into it. But first, we have to hear this very important message from Jamie. Hi, this is Jamie from Check Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433, Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back. We're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery Rubicon, but before we do that, I have to warn you. Red alert! Suffice to say, full spoilers follow from here on out, so if you haven't watched the episode yet, definitely go check that out first before you watch. That's right. Check out the episode before you listen to this, although this is last week's episode, so you probably have already seen it, which is great. So on our Facebook page, I always ask the question, of our Facebook fans, what did you think about last week's episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the best and 10 being the worst? I'm sorry, 1 being the worst. And uh, we collect what you guys said on our Facebook page so that we can get a gauge as to how close we are to what our fans think. And we're pretty, we're pretty good, I think. We're, we're usually pretty, pretty close because we're fans, too. So, uh, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Rubicon? Well, Julian Phillips gave it a six. Uh, she said it was much better than last week's due to having more action, but although the spatial backdrops are impressive, I found the battles in Discovery are two-dimensional. When you look back at the battles on screen during DS9 25 years ago, but, hey, they were visually superior and far more exciting. Also, the crew of the Enterprise, Voyager, DS9, etc., would just get on with the mission without the need for half a dozen emotional sideshows each episode. Uh, top fan Rich Gale gives it a nine. Excellent episode. Only lose one point for the cliffhanger perceived as similar to last week's. Uh, Maurice Postal gave it at most a six. I've liked the episode so far, but the... Uh, uh, but everyone uh, caring for each other to the extremes uh, is getting annoying. Uh, so that's from Maurice. Craig Glenzer says giving it an eight. Tarka was out of control. Loved it. Nice to see non back. Uh, Wes Huntington gave it an 8.5. It was better than last week's, but the criticism about this episode that sites like Trek core and Trek movies say that was that a lot was set up with little or no payoff was accurate. Uh, top fan Mark Newstrom gave it an eight. Good to finally again see the entire bridge crew. Nice to hear Reno's name in passing, hoping she makes at least one more appearance this season. Situations of conflict were handled decently. Glad that Burnham slash Booker aren't instantly back to normal. Mm. Will be interesting to see how the diplomatic mission plays out. I suspect the death of at least one of the major characters. Uh, Linda Gopiz gave it a 10, enjoyed it. Peter Vowell gave it a 10, Discovery is the best. Annette Robertson also gave it a 10, and Gary Dodwell said a solid 4. Far too much time spent developing characters and not enough trekking. And uh, so averaging out this week's scores, Jim, we end up with a fan score of 8.1. And you know what I find, what, what, what I find interesting is that 
so many times I'll hear people say they don't like Discovery because they don't explore the characters enough. And then you have people saying that they explore the characters too much. So yeah, you have two completely different sides of the same spectrum, um, all seeing something different in the same show, which I find incredibly interesting myself, how you can have such a, a wide difference between what people see and don't see. That's, I find interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's fascinating. Anyway. I mean, that just goes to show it, it's that old adage about, you know, art is 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 in the eye of the person who's who's looking at it. The interpretation is all, you know, lies with the observer. It does not necessarily lie with the artist. The artist kind of puts it out there, and then the observer right. looks at it, and the uh, and the observer says, you know what, that resonates with me, or nope, that doesn't resonate with me, and uh, starts no different. That's why variety is the spice of life. That's right. Absolutely right. And um, we have a caller on the line. Woohoo! Let me see. Let's see if I can get this, this thing to work. Sometimes it's touchy and it doesn't want to answer the phone. There we go. Good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Hello? This is Ray from the Bronx. How you doing? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I was late. Hey, hey what's Ray? happening, Ray? Yeah, I'm sorry. I know, I know, I know you had nothing to talk to about how you spent watching the um, the Law Order joint came out today. The new one came out today. You know, uh, you, you know, the, you know the new one, and it is off the chamber. That's what I heard. A lot of people are just totally digging the fact that they brought that back, and so you're saying it's good stuff. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was sitting there watching it, and I seen it was chocolate earlier, but I got hooked on to it. And as I said, I saw came in late. That's all right, Ray. No problem. No problem. So what's going on with that today? Well, we're we're just uh, we're expecting some snow up here. Uh, you're probably not going to get any down in the city, but we're going to get some up here. And uh, we're just Trek talking, you know, talking some Star Trek. As always, my brothers. As always. But as, okay, always. Okay. as always, my brother. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Okay, so um, let's see. What's special? Okay, let's talk. Okay, what's special? I, I did it uh, this week. Like I said I've been off a whole week from work. You know what I'm saying? Because, because I go for the schools, and and the winter recess, you know, winter recess, no kids. So thank God for that. So I got me a week going to Monday. You know what I'm saying? Like that. So anyway, I'm fine. Even Coco fine. My daughter fine. My mother fine. Everybody's fine. But I, I'm waiting. I'm I, I'm waiting for the thing. Because second season, I'm waiting for like you are know, waiting for like crazy. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, not, you gotta wait till Wednesday. Not too much longer. I was gonna say it's coming. No, or, no, no. Thursday, Thursday, Monday, oh, Thursday. Thursday. Oh, that's right. We're gonna see it on Wednesday. You have to wait till Thursday. <laughs> I, I forgot that. <laughs> that's right. Thursday. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. So anyway, it's be, it's um, man, you know what? You know what? It, it, you know what? I mean, bond you, it better be. I mean, it's got to be. As I say, I find like the first season was off the chamber, but the second season with Q in it, oh, my God. This might change <laughs> everything. And, we'll and don't forget, Ray, that, that Whoopi Goldberg's coming back as Guinan. Yes, I know. Yo, I know. 
yes, I was a, I, I was a, and I was shocked because I know her species were like 200 years, or 200 years old. I like, and she looked like the same. Like, I mean, I don't know if we go get some good, good behind makeup or whatever it is, but I mean, it's over like, it's over like if you watch the next generation series, you know what I'm saying for back in the days. It's like, it's almost like you know you know had the same hat and everything else the same, same costume and you know, facial face, uh, facial stuff uh, is like this. It's like yo, damn, does this girl ever age or what? <laughs> no, she she's she's immortal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know she's immortal. Like Oprah, she's immortal. Yeah. <laughs> like Oprah, she, yeah, like Oprah, she's immortal. Well, no. don't you worry, Ray, because we're definitely going to be talking about Star Trek Picard for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to have a lot to say. We're going to be reviewing the episodes and going over them. So um, we'll have a lot to say about Picard and Whoopi when we get a chance to see it. So, uh, um, I mean, uh, okay, okay, uh, magic question. I know thing is on March 3rd, is on a Thursday. If you guys gonna be broadcasting on that um, on that next Thursday, or you guys gonna do a pause, or no, we'll talk about no. it the following week. Yeah, we'll oh, be a week okay. behind. Okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. Like two t- weeks from tonight, we'll talk about yeah. Two weeks from tonight, we'll talk about Picard episode one. Yes. Wait a minute. Before I go, before I go, I, I, I ask one question. Rob, what's going on with your cat? The cat. The cat in the hat. Yeah, yeah I want to even know the cat. I'm sorry why I had to go here. I'm going with the cat this week. No cats. No cats this uh, week. Nope. Okay. Nope. No okay, cat. Okay. No cat talk. Okay, okay, okay. I leave it alone. I leave, I leave it alone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Rob, forgive me. Forgive me, Rob. It's really forgive me for saying that. I'm sorry. Ow! I I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bash. Listen, Rob. AJ. He, listen, AJ. Listen, Rob. He had to really put the, the cat noise on me. Oh, uh, that's my cat. My cat, Ow! AJ. <laughs> that's actually Ow! a real cat, believe it or not. Ow! He 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 comes. <laughs> I don't know how he gets in here. He's the loudest cat I've ever heard in my life. It's amazing. Bob, you put the cat noise on me. I appreciate that. Okay? I got a dog to understand. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I respect. So, listen, guys, I know, guys, I know you got a lot of things to do. I got I, I got one more door before all this stuff comes down. I don't know. It, it, it's almost going to be snowing up here in the Bronx. I don't know. So, I got to go with my dog. So next week on March third, we 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 gonna have it on. That's right. Absolutely. Make it so, Ray. Uh, Make it so. Pardon? Make, make it, it so. so. I always do. I always do. I make it so. I always do. You got your care. Right. God bless you. Have a good night. And I try to stay warm, Ray. Stay warm. What? Yeah, actually, actually, it ain't that bad. It's kind of warm right by now, but I don't want you. But you know what I'm saying. But you never know; it will change. Yep, it'll change. Well, thank you for calling. Right, hey, have a great guys. night. You Good too, night, guys. Bye bye. I see you guys next week. 
See ya. Talk to you next week. Bye. All right, guys. So that was Ray from the Bronx, and he's going to walk his dog, which is pretty cool. And I shoot AJ out the door, so he won't be bothering me anymore. And we want to talk about Star Trek Discovery Rubicon. Now, um, our fans on our Facebook page scored it an 8.1. So I wonder what we're going to come up with. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about, obviously, is the elephant in the room. And uh, Eric... What do you think about the Saru and, and uh, President Tarina thing there, this Vulcan uh, vibe thing going on? What do you think about that? You think that's going to go anywhere? I have to tell you, as a person whose uh, guilty pleasure is uh, romance stories, I am totally digging what they are doing right now with those two. It is a relationship that is developing slowly over time out of mutual respect for one another. And um, in this episode, we get a very, very special scene where uh, Saru's kind of feeling uh, uncomfortable. He's feeling a little, uh, you know, mixed up in his own head. He's having a hard time kind of chilling out and calming down, and he's trying his Vulcan techniques that Trina taught him before, but it's just not working. And so he summons up a hologram of her, and they're able to share a moment together and kneel, and she's able to help him. And then... uh, and then, Jim, we get the, the official first uh, proposal of future stuff. She invites him over to dinner. And I, you know what, guys? I am just like, I, I'm just all gushy over what's going on between these two right now because I feel like they are both people who hold themselves to such high standards, and they also are in kind of supportive roles. Tarina in that she has to kind of be on this council of various, she's a president, yes, but she's like, there's other people who are influencing what's going on in her home planet. You've got Saru, who's second in command, has been the captain, really knows what's up. These two people in high positions who have a hard time taking care of themselves are now taking care of each other, which is just, just plays right into exactly what this season is doing. So me personally, I'm all over this relationship, and I absolutely love it. And I, I love Saru. I really, really, really do. He is such a multifaceted character. And uh, one of the things that I really like is that as fans, we got to grow with Saru and we got to grow with Burnham. We, we got to be there along the journey with both of these characters. And they're both captains and they both support each other. They both respect each other. And I think that, you know, Burnham has Booker, and I think that Saru definitely deserves his shot, and he deserves to be happy, and I think he deserves Tarina. What do you think, David? Um, well, first of all, the first thing in my mind was, what are their children going to look like? <laughs> That's I mean, <laughs> We're getting ahead um, of ourselves, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, because Spock, he's half human, half uh, Vulcan, so technically he's already human-looking. But I just wonder what it would be like for a uh, Kelpian and a Vulcan. It's, it's, it's weird thinking about it. <laughs> um, other than that, well, I, I like the We'd have like to wait story. seven um, years uh, for Pond uh, Far to, to happen first. <laughs> <laughs> 
let's just be clear. This is interspecies relationship, and not every relationship has to end with children. So it could be that they're just going to like true. each other, and there doesn't have to be children in the future. I mean, that's, that's, that's not very a true. foregone conclusion. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, um, I like the reaction that Sheru gives when um, he got an invitation from the president and everything. I, I like reactions that they're giving each other off. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting to watch the uh, dynamic uh, evolve into uh, what we're seeing now. So I'm kind of hoping that it continues, but we'll see where it goes. And he went and he talked yeah. to Holger about it. I mean, that scene was beautiful, too. Just where he's like, dude, I think she asked me out. What do you think? And Cobra's like, don't be stupid, dude. He, she asked you out. <laughs> like, I like I like Dr. Culpepper's response. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Eric, I was going to ask, I was going to ask Charles, uh, what did you think about uh, Saru and Culpepper when Saru went and asked him for love advice? Oh, I thought yeah. it was saying, how we get a shy... Saru, Saru kind of kind of shies up with this one, and he goes to Colbert. It's like I don't know what to do. And it's like I love it's sort of like the bro talk in there. It's like, man, she wants you to come see her. You'll go see her. Yeah, you don't give up this moment. If we're gonna get this, we're gonna get sitting and get this friendship going. The friendship should occur. So I like he kind of takes the friendship point of view. It's like, yeah, if we got if you got to ask for something like that, then go do it. So yeah, like and didn't he, didn't he say something to him like, didn't he say something like, uh, you know, don't be stupid, or didn't didn't he make some comment? Uh, something like that. Something like that. I'd have to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, it wasn't he doesn't say stupid, but he does. I don't remember the exact words, but he is kind of like, dude, just. No, look, look at what's actually happening here. And then Saru's like, oh, yeah. And, and even the way that Doug Jones acts that when he's telling Culber what, what was said to him by Tarina, he tells Culber as if it's a question. <laughs> he's like, he wants, she wants me to come over for dinner? <laughs> like, is that okay? And Culber's like, yes, of course that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I thought mean, that was great. Yeah, and I did think, yeah. I don't know, we're probably not going to get to the ready room tonight, but they, uh, you know, we got to talk to Wilson Cruz this week on the ready room, and he got to talk quite a bit about um, Culver and his uh, evolution into a, a ship's counselor. And I, I dare say that I think he's the most evolved ship's counselor we've had so far. I mean, we had uh, Deanna Troy back in the day, you know. You can kind of count Esri Dax uh, in DS9. She was a counselor as well. We've had a couple others, but to me, Culver's the one who's really grown into this role, like these other characters you talk about, Jim. We went on the, the trip with Saru. We went on the trip with Burnham. Uh, we're going on the trip with Culver. Uh, he's even in a new body. He, he's been to hell and back, and now he's a counselor. I mean, who else do you want looking out for your mental health? You know, I would love to meet Wilson Cruz at a convention because oh, he seems like such a, a, a down-to-earth, just, he seems like such a, a, a decent human being. I would love to meet him oh, love. at some uh, point. Pre, Pre-COVID, they, I, uh, in Vegas, I got to go, and he showed up the last minute on a doctor's panel. 
And he just seems so down to earth. He seems it. Same thing you saw. Same thing you saw in Ready Room. He just seemed like a he just seemed like a real down to earth guy. He he's and a Star really, Trek fan, you know. Yeah. He's just a Star Trek fan. So we we have to talk about the return of Nan. And and yeah. Eric, what did you think about the Burnham Nan thing when when the Admiral kind of said, "I'm sending someone along with you," and it turns out to be Nan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, yeah, go ahead. The way the way the way they played off of each other, the return of this character, and the the conflict that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was deep, and it just. Um, to me, it's a great representation of what it's like to have two professionals working with one another who are then also on the side friends, and they're able to separate those two things. I think in this scene, it's I, I just loved it. First of all, the return of Nan is totally awesome. Um, although they moved her little uh, retrofitted breathers, they used to be on her cheeks back in season three, and now they're, they've kind of moved up towards like underneath her hair just a little bit further. So finer point, they've just chosen to move them, but she does acknowledge that they've been upgraded this episode. Um, but she comes on, of course, as the failsafe because Burnham is too close to Booker. And uh, they, you know, the Admiral basically wants, well, the Admiral via the president wants to make sure that whatever goes down, somebody is able to pull the trigger when it needs to be pulled. Uh, and so Nan is brought in as that. And I love, I love that because first of all, she's career military. Her entire species, they uh, once again acknowledge in this episode, have have like a history of military service. So when something needs to get done, this is the type of person that you call in. And as much as we all know and respect and love Burnham and know that she can make the hard call, also she is very close to book. And so it's not a bad idea to have somebody there as a failsafe. And I, I just love the complexity of that uh, interaction, Jim. I love that they're friends who are also adversarial later in the episode, they fight a little bit. They kind of go off to the side, they make some agreements, they come back. It's just a great, like how do two adults actually relate to one another when they don't totally agree on everything? It's a great model of that. And I, I I like it. I like it when, uh, when Burnham says to the Admiral, well, that's Captain Saru's job. We don't Mm -hmm. need an advisor because that's what Captain Saru is here for. And she acknowledges that Saru is her um, uh, her conscious, her 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 guiding light, her compass. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Admiral Vance is like, well, no, because Saru is close to the situation too. I I want an outsider, but I like that Burnham acknowledged that that's what Saru's job is. So I thought that was pretty cool. What did you think about that, David? Did you like Nan's return? To be honest, I have completely forgot about it until they brought her back. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I actually forgot what season they uh, when she left. And I was like, okay, trying to remember why she left. And then she, she explained it, that she found her family's uh, tree or something or other. Um, but, yeah, I completely forgot about it. And um, as far as uh, character development, I honestly thought that they probably could have done a little bit better with the characters of her. Um, Cause I, yeah, 
it just completely went over my head for some reason. <laughs> Um, but I do have one more question. Um, the incident with uh, Shuru and Burnham, are they two captains on one ship, or is Shuru acting as, like, acting captain once Burnham leaves or something? Nope. I, I, you know, I've had this conversation on, yeah. on uh, <laughs> Facebook pages, and people uh, have brought this up. And, you know, we had Captain Spock, Captain Kirk, and Captain Scotty all on the Enterprise at the same time. And um, so, you know, obviously Burnham is the captain. She's in, you know, runs the ship. And Saru is also the captain, but he's the, he's filled the role of first officer. So even though he's a captain, she's the captain of the ship. There can only be one captain of the ship. You That's know? right. You have to separate the military mm-hmm. rank from who's actually running the ship. Right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, speaking of characters, though, Charles, uh, there was an interesting, a very interesting um, uh, uh, conflict or, or, I guess, volley between Bryce and Reese. And they both stand on different sides of this argument where, where Reese thinks that Booker's doing the right thing and Bryce thinks that he's not. And they kind of get into, well, we, we hear a couple of times on the show it happens, but on the shuttle in particular. And I wanted to ask you, what did you think about that, that conflict between the two, about seeing two bridge officers disagree about, uh, about an issue? We've really never seen that before. Well, that's something we, okay, we didn't really want to have a lot of conflict back in past Star Trek. I think now they're kind of realizing, let's let some of the conflict out. Let's let us let's let it occur. I like the idea that two crew members disagree. Okay, we're getting personality. We're getting realism. Okay, they don't agree with what's going on. They all they both have opinions of what they think is the right and wrong thing. And I think that's what we we kind of need that right now. That hey, there is two different opinions, and crew members have their own voice. And the thing is, guess what? Here, the crew members are able to speak out how they feel. We're not saying okay, everybody's got a degree, everybody's got to stay on this one point. No. We're going to let the crew members have us. We're going to have crew members where they've got their feelings, and they're going to feel like, okay, they need to take sides. Okay, I support what's going on. I oppose what's going on. Hey, we're getting a truth. The fact is we're getting some characterization where the characters recognize there's a difference of opinion and what's going on. And I think it's a good idea. Let the characters have viewpoint and let them argue it because it kind of looked they kind of led towards okay but we need a common point of view we don't need to fight over it in which that kind of scene kind of passed down later on to Burnham and Nan also later from Saru which we got from Culver and Culver's definitely a mediator 
Yeah, I was going to ask you, Eric, well, what did you think about Colbert diffusing the situation between uh, Bryce and Reese on the well, shuttle? To me, that, to me, that scene on the shuttle was just – so, you know, we've always talked about how Star Trek, like classic Star Trek, is a, each episode is effectively a morality play, right? It's, 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 a scene, it's a series of scenes that either asks you questions or teaches you a lesson about – uh, you know, something related to being humans. And I love that scene because the two of them are fighting and the first reaction you get is Saru's. And Saru's like, you guys, you just got to stop fighting. You're in the military. Do what I say when I, when I say do it. And Colbert is the one who is like, listen, guys, we are, we are all scared about this. We're all looking at it from different directions so let's find the common ground. Let's find the one thing that we both can agree on and we'll move forward from that and we can build compromises from that. And to me, that is just another great lesson that this season is giving us in Star Trek is that, you know, when we seem to come at each other with impossible to resolve differences, a common ground can always be found. And all we have to do is keep at it, you know, um, don't stop working. Just, just keep trying to find those things that are common, and you can always move forward from there. So I that one of my favorite scenes uh, in this episode was that one in the shuttle there. And what 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 do you think about Booker and Burnham? Are they going to be able to come back from this? What do you think? <laughs> well, it, so here's what I think. Uh, I, I and I haven't seen any episodes passed last week, so I don't know if anything happened tonight uh, that will disprove this or not, but I'll just tell you what I think. I, it feels like it's coming to a head to me. It's, and it feels like Burnham is almost due a tragedy. I'm terribly, terribly afraid of losing Booker on this show because he's one of my favorite characters. But it just kind of feels like something is something weird's happening here, and they're, I don't think they're just going to jettison him and leave him... Uh, alive in the universe, but unrelated to Michael. So I feel like they're either going to bring him close together and make him a part of the show again, or we might lose him. And I'm a little concerned about that. As long as Grudge stays. Yeah. Well, and I, Grudge is great. Don't get me wrong. But literally my favorite Star Trek ship right now is Booker ship. It's just the coolest thing. And now that they've added the spore drive to it and it all disassembles and spins around in a circle, that's just so cool. So I was going to, what do you think about the Booker and Tarka conflict? Because it's obvious to me that, that Booker um, respects Michael and, and agreed to her truce, lowered the shield and was going to go to the discovery and give them the week for diplomatic uh, relations and Tarka just said to hell with that and and fired photon torpedoes or quantum torpedoes or whatever at, at the discovery and then beamed the weapon into the DMA. and you know we 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 didn't get we don't get to see what happens after that well tonight well, we'll we started out, to, but I mean we, we um, see the reformation of the DMA which was kind of a big deal but yeah but we don't see the repercussions. Uh, we don't see right. the Tarker Booker. Right. Uh, hopefully we will tonight. But what do you think well, about, about Tarka just 
and Booker's situation going on because it seems to me like Booker and Tucker on our different pages now. What do you think, Eric? Or Charles, oh, yeah. David, anybody? Well, I, I think we saw I I think we saw the repercussions of it. And we don't know where he jumped to. Michaels tried to contact him multiple times and has no success in contacting him. And my guess is I think that Book not really happy with Tarka. Tarka's like, okay, I finally get my wormhole where I can escape. And it's like, yeah, your energy source you wanted in the other side, on the other side of the wormhole. You didn't get what you wanted. You had this big plan to sit there and get this item, and it's not there. And it's like, yeah, you screwed up. Big time. You know, I think Go ahead. Big time. So it's like Book would love to gen- uh, send Park out the airlock. I don't think he can at this point, but I think he's ready to. Mm-hmm. Especially when Tarka messes with Book's ship. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. You yeah. don't mess with a, a, a captain like that. You don't mess with somebody's ship mm-hmm. like that. No. And, you and know, you that the... No. Yeah, sorry. I was, I was just going to say, Jim, the, uh, if I could just add that the part of the problem with Tarka, so I think this plays into the, part, the Tarka um, book relationship. They haven't, so we, first of all, Tarka only reads as a bad guy right now. And what they tried to do was uh, several episodes ago, they tried to give him a backstory as to what, you know, who he's trying to get back to. He had this friend who is a prisoner with him. You know, he's trying to get back to him. There's maybe an implied relationship there. So, okay, man driven mad by friendship slash potential romance here, but they haven't given us any like flashbacks or anything like that. And to me, Tarka as a bad guy right now is a little hollow. He's not, um, like, I'm still, I've loved this episode, but we're getting so far now from the story that he told about himself that I don't even remember it anymore. I don't remember. I kind of remember what his motivations are, but I don't really care about them, right? And I don't really care about him as a character. And I feel like they just haven't done a good enough job. David said something about character development. I would say they did a great job with Nan last season and actually gave her quite a bit of character development. But this season, they haven't developed Tarka enough to make me care enough about him to, you know, make me understand his even motivations at this point. And then that, therefore, plays into the uncertainty that Book feels with him. Because Book can't understand Tarka's motivations. All he understands, all Book understands is his own pain and his own motivations. And Tarka is simply a tool to help him achieve his goals until he realizes Mm. the wrong thing this episode. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it? All of our collective minds be blown if if Tarka is trying to get back to Lorca. Wouldn't that blow your mind? Oh, <laughs> would that not? Dude. Would, would you know? You would hear my head pop. You just you know you you, you would seriously boom. <laughs> just like a boom. Well, yep. I, you know, I was like. Well, wow. that was what that, a way actually, to bring He Lorca had back. mentioned a couple yeah. of times throughout the season where he's trying to get back home. You know, but he had mentioned that, and I believe in this remember, episode. I agree. Right. Yeah. Remember, he says home in this episode is not where he came from; it's where he wants to go with this friend. So we don't even know where home is. 
And his friend was being held prisoner. That's right. Uh, somewhere. So, but for and, years, you know, right? didn't he say something about a duration too? I thought he had like a a duration attached to that that they were together so many years or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. So <laughs> I I don't know. So uh, before we run out of time, I want to find out what we score the episode and how close we are to our Facebook fans. So David, our fans gave it an eight point one. And what would you give it? Um, hmm. I'm going to have to go with my gut here and say about a seven. A seven? Okay, that's cool. How about how about you, Charles? Oh, sorry, I was in two different conversations. Um, an 8.3, 8.4. Excellent. Excellent. One thing you didn't, one thing you you skipped on your list of stuff, which I thought was a good one to throw in there, though I think it that treaty's long gone, was the a lot more use of cloaks. Now. Yeah, I I was hoping Nate would be with us because he's our technical guy, and so when when uh, Nate didn't show up, I kind of left that one on the table. Well, I, I think what's happened is since we kind of lost the Romulan home planet, I kind of would question that that might be where the treaty went. Yeah. Which is possible yeah. that by Picard's era, we may start to see some cloaking ability. You know, the truth is it all oh, happened God. when Tarul died. That's when it all began. Yes, it was all Tarul's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Tarul dying way back when led to cloaks, Federation cloaks in the 32nd century. That's right. It's all her fault. <laughs> so, Eric, <laughs> 1 to 10. Fans gave it an 8.1. Are you with them? Oh, gosh. I got to give this one a way better score than I gave last week. Yeah, this one. I'll give this one an 8.5. I really enjoyed this episode. A lot of heartfelt moments, a lot of really great scenes, a lot of amazing lessons and stuff that are just embedded wow. in this one. I think if, you, if you've watched it once, you should probably watch it twice. It's a great episode. Yeah, and I think <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm there with you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm right there with you. I'm going to go with an 8675309. That's what Classic I'm going to go gym. with. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, Saru was great. I, I liked it a lot. So listen, guys, uh, I want to say thank you to Ray. Uh, hold on. For, our, for, friend, yep. our friend Nate uh, fell asleep in his computer chair. Yeah. Sorry, he missed the show. He gives it a seven. Seven? All me. right. Yeah, yeah that's, that is a good score for Nate. Absolutely. So uh, listen, guys, I want to say thank you to Ray calling and saying hello to us and uh of course thank you to david for trek talking with us thank you david of course and of course thank you so much to eric for hanging out and trek talking with us and for doing our wine tasting for star trek wines and paul yeah. oh man i'm very much looking forward to next week hopefully we'll have that canar ready for you guys next week that'd be, oh, that'd excuse be me, great canar. Thank- Kenar. Kenar. I, 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 I need to be. I need to get on this train because I was. I was corrected, and I looked back, and it is the correct pronunciation. It's Kenar. So sorry about that. And uh, we also want to say thank you so much to uh, Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, oh, always enjoy it. I mean, I get into your truck wines, but now Eric got me into drinking wine on a red wine on occasion. 
Did she get some blood wine? <laughs> uh, can't afford. Yeah, I haven't got into the blood wine yet. That's for special so, occasions. Listen, yeah. guys, I want to let you guys in on a little secret. Well, it's not really a secret, but next week, um, uh, Noah Averbatch Katz is going to be with us, who played Rin on Star Trek Discovery, the Andorian. And we're going to be talking about Disco Does D&D, as well as the KNR with with Paul and Eric and Greg Spurrier from Star Trek Lions will be with us as well. And we'll be talking about tonight's episode of Discovery, which I believe is called The Great Barrier, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll be talking about that next week. But I'm really excited to let you guys know that because we have so much Star Trek content and we have a lot of people that want to come on the podcast and whatnot, and I don't want to mess with the format because it seems to be working and you guys like it. And I really don't want to cut things out, take things out, shorten things. Um, you know, we can shorten things here and there and do less news stories. But for the most part, I want to keep the format the same. It works. And uh, it's a good, well-rounded format. I don't want to change it. So what we're going to do is we're going to have Truck Talking 2. And Truck Talking 2 will be same bat time, same bat channel on Sunday. And it will be, right now, it'll just be Eric and myself. I believe, I think Shannon's going to be joining us as well. Shannon can't be with us on Thursday night. So I think Shannon's going to be with us. So Shannon will be filling in for, um, for Charles. So it'll be me. Shannon and Eric on Sunday nights and anything that we can't fit into this show, we're going to just slide it on over to truck talking to on Sunday night. And because it's our premiere show and because we're going to be going to the virtual premiere of Star Trek Picard on Wednesday night, I thought it would be fun to go back and talk about Star Trek Picard, not just Star Trek Picard, but Picard the man. And so that's what we're going to do. On Sunday night, we're going to go back and revisit Star Trek Picard Season 1. We're going to talk about what we'd like to see in Season 2, um, some of the things that have been spoiled for us, expectations, and we're just going to hang out and have some fun breaking down the man, the myth, the legend known as Jean-Luc Picard. So that'll be Sunday night at 7.30 right here. Our phone number will be the same. I'll get that up on our – actually, I think it's already on the Facebook page. Yeah, it is. The link is already out there. So you guys want to check that out. So that wraps everything up, guys. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. I want to say to everybody, please be good to each other. Safe. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all. Good night. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.